Hey everyone, you are listening to the official podcast of the Evangelical Free Church of Ken, where our mission is to glorify God, helping each other become mature disciples of Christ as we worship, grow, serve, and reach. Take your Bibles and open up to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. And uh, you children, make sure if you brought your Bibles, I'm going to have some of you read some scripture here. So those of you who have your Bibles, um, you be ready because I'm going to have a couple of scripture passages. I'm going to have someone read, okay? All right? So some of you... Some of you kids, one of, one of, if, if you guys want to look up John chapter one, I'm going to have someone read out of John chapter one here in a minute. And then I'm going to have someone else read out of Colossians chapter one. And then I'm going to have someone else read out of Romans chapter five. Okay. So any of you children that want to, want to read here in a minute. So as we think about this, I've got two questions. Okay. So the first one, is primarily for all the kids to answer, okay? And so right where you're at, you guys can answer this, and you can just say whatever comes to mind. And then I've got another one for the parents and uh, anyone else here, okay? Um, so, kids, what are some of your favorite parts of Christmas? Presents, food, stockings. Family. Another presence. Oh, Jesus' birthday. I love that. It's good. Any any other favorite parts of Christmas? Monkey bread. That's a phenomenal thing. I love monkey bread. It's been a long time since I've had it. That's a really good one. What was it? No school. How many of you kids agree with that one? Yeah. <laughs> and I saw teachers too. She's like, yes. <laughs> All right, so I'm curious, the rest of you, what are some favorite parts of Christmas for you? Sitting by the fire. Candlelight service. Candlelight that, That's become one of my favorites. It really has. Having all your kids. So you guys, t- last, you, t- you take up a whole pew. It's phenomenal. <laughs> Amen. Roasting marshmallows. Watching your grandchildren open presents. Good. So, they're hot chocolate. I love it. So there's a lot. It, and there is a reason when we think about these things that there's a lot that comes to mind. It's just memories and traditions and it's just, it's, it's a joyful time. Um, now, I'm curious, and the, the rest of you adults, I'm curious about your response to this. When you come to Christmas, does it tend to be more a time of peace or chaos? Chaos! <laughs> it's kind of what I expected to hear from you. Um, and we can find ourselves in the midst of this joyous season of celebration... Stepping into chaos 
and losing sight of the very reason we should have joy to begin with. And I, I'll, t- I'll be the first to admit, there is chaos in the midst of this. Okay? Um, my wife and I had some last uh, minute stuff to finish up and we decided to go to Peoria on Wednesday evening. <laughs> right before the snowstorm, right before, it, it was like Black Friday shopping. I, it was insane. And so, in the midst of this, I want us to pause a minute and focus in on where we can find peace. Everyone say peace. Okay? And uh, the focus being here in Isaiah chapter 9. So I'm going to read this, and then um, I'm going to have one of you kids that has John chapter 1. I want to read another passage of Scripture, okay? So this says in verse 1 of Isaiah 9, But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time he has made glorious the way of the sea and the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You've multiplied the nation, you've increased his joy, they rejoice before you as with the joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you've broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling, warrior in battle tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born... To us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts We'll do this. Now, just to clarify a couple things before we move forward in this, Isaiah was a prophet. Everyone say prophet. And that means that Isaiah would communicate messages from God to his people. And specifically in Isaiah chapter 9, Isaiah is prophesying to the remnant of Israel. Everyone say Israel. So it's important that we don't read this and go, well, what is he saying to us? Because the answer is nothing. He's communicating this to Israel. Now, the cool thing about the Bible is when we read this, God communicates both in present historically with his people while at the same time to you and me. So we can learn and grow from this and we get the opportunity to see promises fulfilled that the nation of Israel hearing this prophecy did not. In the sense that we know the fulfillment of verses six, verse 6 when it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And this is being written to Israel. This was a big reason why Israel was so excited when they had convinced themselves Jesus came to usher in a political conquest. And we read this and we go, well, we understand why they would think that. And even more so why they were a little disappointed whenever Jesus died on the cross. Because they were thinking, man, he's going to come, he's going to end war, he's going to bring about earthly peace in the midst of this. A lot 
was assumed here. Now, who can tell me, which of, which of you kids could tell me how long it was from when Isaiah spoke these words to Israel to when Jesus was born? Do any of you kids know? Ari? Nope, not 2,000 years. Any, any ideas? Do you know? A little more than that. 700 years. Right around 700 years. Now, curious, alright, to give you perspective, this is, a, this is gonna be a American history question for you kids. And you're all like, we're, we're out of school. What are you doing? So, how many of you can tell me how old the United States of America is? Do you know? Nope, much more than that. No. <laughs> That's craziness. Okay? What do you think, Nate? Old. <laughs> Not as old as the prophecy. Okay? Do you know? Right around 250 years. Yes, exactly. So think about that for a second. 700, 700 years from when this was spoken till it was fulfilled in Jesus. That's a long time. Everyone, everyone say, whoa. Okay? Amazing that this was stated and fulfilled in Jesus. Now, all right, which one of you has John chapter 1? Nate? Come on. John chapter 1, I'm going to have you read verses 1 through 4. Okay? And the rest of you kids, I'm going to need someone in a minute to read out of Colossians 1. Okay? Alright. John 1, verses 1 through 4. I'll, I'll hold the mic for you. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Good job. Thank you. In him was what? Life. Everyone say life. And that life was the what? Light. Right? Everyone say light. So in him was life and that life was light to all men. And then it goes on and it says the light shines in the darkness and the darkness will not overcome it. Now, there's a hope in here. And when we look at Isaiah 9 and it says the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. And what we don't see in the midst of this is where Israel has been prior to this. They've been in captivity. Babylonian captivity. Most of you would recognize Babylonian captivity in the time of Daniel. Okay, This had not been a pleasant season. As some of you are sitting here today and going... Recently, this has not been a pleasant season. And it could become challenging to experience joy and satisfaction and peace in the midst of challenging seasons. We can resonate with that. And the promise here that Isaiah is speaking is one 
that should have both present significance and future hope. In the same way, the celebration of the birth of Jesus should have present significance in our lives as well as future hope. That's the only place where we're going to find lasting peace. So then there is these metaphors given or these images. They rejoice before you, verse 3, as with the joy at the harvest. For the yoke of his burden, the staff for his shoulder, the rod for the, you have broken as on the day of Midian. If you want to know about Midian, you should read Judges chapter 6. As Gideon and his army of 300 men defeated the Midianites. And then there's this future promise. For every boot of the trampling, warrior in battle tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. Now, the question has to be, how is this light that shines in the darkness, how is it brought to be? Verse 6, for to us a child is born, a son is given. But this is no ordinary child as we see by the very names given to this child. The first one of those is... This description of wonderful. Now, I will be the first to say that many of you, as you read your Bibles, it's going to say uh, wonderful counselor. And then there's a comma after that. Yet it's logical for us to go. That word in Hebrew really is wonder. And so you can say wonderful counselor and it's not necessarily wrong, but you can also say wonderful. Counselor. Mighty God. Okay? Now, I'm curious, kids, what is the most wonderful thing to you? What do you think? That's a good answer. What, what do you think? If someone asks you, what's the most wonderful thing to you, what would you say? What do you think? Family. Okay. Gingerbread cookies. Now, this word wonderful or wonder really emphasizes something that could only come from God. In a sense, even miraculous or extraordinary. And so it's not just a descriptive word like we would think of wonderful. It goes beyond that to something that comes from God. Wonderful. Counselor. Okay, the second one. Now, kids, what... What do you think of when you think of a counselor? What do you... Oh, someone at summer camp, okay. All right. What else? What do you think of? You think of pickles? <laughs> what else? What do you think of when you think of counselor? Okay. What about the rest of you? What do you think of when you think of counselor? A teacher. Someone who helps. The emphasis here is on one who will be one who leads others well. One who serves in advising them. Wonderful counselor. Mighty God. Okay, now kids, here this one's going to take a lot of effort, okay? I want you to give me your best mighty expression right now. 
Okay? Mighty. I just see it. Where, where's your mighty expression? Many of you aren't. Okay? Some of you are. See some. There's one. Okay? Alright? Mighty God. What are some things, and anyone can answer this, what are some things that only God is capable of? Giving us life? Creation, I heard that. Everlasting love, okay. What else do you think of? Something only God is capable of. Miracles, okay. Creating man. Okay. Now, I want us to think about this because this emphasis of mighty God is given to the child who is the light that shines in the darkness. Now, I want uh, someone to read Colossians 1, verses 13 through 15. Colossians 1. Who has Colossians 1? Jada, you want to come read? Colossians 1. Read verses 13 through 15. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Go ahead and read verse 16 through 20. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Uh, when other thrones or domains or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. And that in everything, he, he must be preeminent. Preeminent. That's a big word. <laughs> yeah. For in him the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile. reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Thank you. Good job. Think about all that Colossians 1 says. About Jesus. By him all things were created. This this speaks of the preeminence of Christ. With God before the beginning of the world. A part of creation. In that we see a direct correlation here to mighty God. The promised child will be one who could do what only God in flesh could do. Now, the next name, Everlasting Father, this really would be better understood as Father of Eternity. This isn't somehow saying that this child will be the Father, because we acknowledge that of the three persons there is a distinction, but rather Father of Eternity, to stop and think about other places we see this description used. It's used of our enemy, Satan, who's identified as the father of what? Lies, right? That is the originator of these things. The deceiver. Here, this description of this child being father of eternity, the originator, that eternity 
only comes through him. You stop and think about that in correlation with John 3. That he gives eternal life. Now, I'm curious. All right, kids, how long is eternity? (laughs) Forever, right? And I want to give you an image picture, and I've used this before, but I want to, I want to try and give you a, another image picture. And I should have checked to see. This is all attached. One second. I'm going to unattach it. So when we think about eternity, it can be kind of hard for us to think about it well. But I want you to imagine for a second with me the scope of eternity. And if you look in the end here, there's a little piece of tape. You see that? You see how long this rope is? Okay, if it was an accurate illustration, that rope would go on forever. Okay? But here's the importance. Eternity is a really, really, really long time. We can't even really fathom what it looks like. And that's because in our lives here, Things are temporary. And if you were to stop and consider how much time our life is here on this earth, in contrast to eternity, it'd be about like this piece of tape. And if we're really honest, it would have been more accurate if I took my pen and I put a little black speck on the end of this rope. It's so small. And yet, here's the, here's the really crazy thing. We spend most of our life really, really concerned about this tiny little section. And not eternity. And so we think about how much even one day is. We're talking about our life. Here on earth. Think about how much one day, how small one day would be. Right? And yet you and I are really prone to get so anxious and experience so much unrest because of how our day goes or how our week goes, right? And so my encouragement is to stop and consider the one who has made eternity possible for us. That's why we celebrate Christmas. And to, to be more concerned about all of that than we are about this little tiny Speck. Everlasting Father. The Father of Eternity. And the last name here, Prince of Peace, is that there is both a present and future hope of peace in Jesus. But listen, present peace should come to us as a result of promised future peace. In Isaiah 9, when it says... The government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called all of these things. Verse 7, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it, to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. Many times we want that peace on earth now before we trust in Jesus. Isaiah looks beyond the first coming of Jesus here in sections of Isaiah 9 and brings light to when he will rule and reign on earth. 
But we don't have to wait for peace with God until Jesus returns. All right, I need another kid to, who is ready to read in Romans 5. Romans 5. Amelia, come on up here. Romans 5, and I'm going to have you read verses 1 through 5. Romans 5, 1 through 5, okay? Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained gained access access Mm -hmm. by faith into this grace in which we now stand and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, 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 character, and character, character, hope, Mm -hmm. and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has (coughs) shown produced out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. God's God's love has been poured poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Good job. Thank you. Stop and think about that. Not only that, but we rejoice in our what? Sufferings. Everyone say sufferings. <laughs> Knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance character and character produces hope. This very peace that has been given us in Christ, peace with God, is one that lasts. And it doesn't mean that somehow we're going to be rid of all of the trials. And in, but instead, in the midst of the sufferings and trials that are faced, we can go, my peace is untainted because it's not in this place. My peace is in the one who came for me. Now, it's interesting because Jesus told his disciples this in this last verse that I want to read in John fourteen twenty seven, where it says, peace Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You see, Jesus came that we might indeed experience, as Philippians 4 would say, a peace that surpasses understanding. And so the question at the end of all of this, knowing that Isaiah prophesied to the nation of Israel in a time of deep trial, that this child would be born, this son would be given a future hope and promise of God's redemption. You and I now sit with the very truth and evidence that Jesus came and died and rose again and said, in me you can have life. 
And yet we still are prone to be a people who are most in chaos, not peace. So you might ask, how then can I experience daily the peace of God given to us in Christ? And I want to take you in application to Philippians 4 today. Because we like to... Ask God for a peace that surpasses understanding, but we often don't memorize the rest of this. Philippians chapter 4. Starting in verse 4. And I want you to think about this in application in your life and how you live this out. Because it has a lot to do with where you fix your eyes. Philippians 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Everyone say always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. Everyone say, that's hard. (laughs) But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. There's the one of the first things. With thanksgiving, we're going to take our trials and concerns to the Lord. Many of us want the peace of God, but we actually don't want to pray to God. We just want the benefits. Verse 7, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Okay, But it's not done. Verse 8, Finally, brothers, Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Where are your eyes fixed this Christmas? I'll be the first to admit to you that it's easy to get caught up in the chaos. It's easy to be discouraged by a lack of peace and insecurity. And yet, the greatest security we have been given is in the Savior. Both present day and for eternity. So in acknowledging this and hearing this, my challenge to you is what will you do with this? Will you stay rooted in the anxieties of this world? Will you sit in the unsettledness and lack of peace that we're so prone to fall into? Or will we embrace the gift of Jesus, knowing that He has already been successful in conquering death, and He will be successful when He returns to bring about righteousness and justice And peace on earth. Where will you fix your eyes? I'm going to have the worship team come. We're going to pray and then we're going to sing one last song together. A medley of Christmas songs. As we close this time. And continue celebrating the rest of today. Father, as we think about the Prince of Peace who is given on our behalf. May we be a people who fix our eyes on Him. 
May we be a people who pause and reflect in the midst of the chaos and go, wait a minute, I can have lasting peace because of what Jesus has done for me. Father, if there's people here who just are in a season of chaos, I pray that you would cause them to to stop and trust Christ. Lord, to, as Jesus himself said in Matthew 11, to cast their cares upon him because he cares for you. To come to him, all who are weary and heavy laden, because he will give rest. May we find lasting rest in Christ. Lord, as we celebrate the rest of this time, the rest of this day, may we do so with a peace that comes from knowing what this child our Savior, the Messiah, Jesus, accomplished when He came to earth. All for Your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.